Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today in Sammy's absence as we look back and expected but disheartening defeat at the home of the champions. We're here to help you drown your sorrows though and I have three men with me who know all about that. The vintage Merlot of Fulhamish, Farrell Monk. Big up party people. A hero who's drank more cans at more festivals this summer than an 18-year-old on a gap year, Drew Heatley. G'day. <laughs> and the man single-handedly funding the Aperol Spritz revival, Don Betts. Hello, hello. How are we all, boys? Yeah, not bad, mate. Yeah, very not good. Okay. Not a particularly good result, though. No, but I don't really know what else anyone was expecting, especially when they scored after 90 seconds. I mean, I think I predicted 3-1 going to the game, so it's not too disappointing, really. I mean, last time I went there, we lost 5-0, so... Yeah. Let's start. Farrell, do you want to kick us off with some three-word reviews? I will, I will. And we've gone to Instagram this week. Um, Big up, Ig. Mix and match. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, first up, we've got Chantry 18 Seri is human. Then we've got Dunty, chasing blue shadows. Joe Kent 05 with City were in Sané. You know, good effort. That is in Venice, his tagline. He loves that. Oh, really? He's like hashtag in Sané. Oh, okay. Mm. All right, then. Bringing it out. And then finally, I like this one, is Char 17 Masters versus Apprentices, which I quite like because it shows that we've, you know, we've got uh, Fulham can improve from here. Yeah, of course. Well, obviously, things didn't start particularly well, as you mentioned, but I'd like to just sort of rewind before the performance for a second. The lineup, not what many of us were expecting, Drew. What did you make of it? What, what was Slav trying? Uh, it looks like he's gone back to sort of the tried and tested again with the nods for sort of Johansson and Adoy in central defence, which I think a lot of people were not happy with, particularly at the end of the game. Um, I think it is better, it's the case of better the devil you know for him sometimes in these big games. And and it's proved to not work particularly well so far this season. Um, but one thing's for certain, we need to find out what the best starting eleven is at the, because uh, it's, it's getting, we're running out of time really. Dom, your thoughts on the eleven? I, and I imagine you weren't a particularly happy man. Yeah. I was just to stay in the pub because uh, two pound cocktails. So, but um, no, I, I saw it and I was like, he's basically treating it like a like a friendly, like it's a throwaway game, which in essence it is when yeah. you go away to a big side. And obviously the main focus is Watford at home because yes, I know West Ham broke their Everton dark, so we could possibly do it in a couple of weeks' time. But I think I was just I was just annoyed to an extent that I think it would have been a good opportunity to to play our best 11 and see how they would match up against the top side because yes you know we're probably not going to get anything from the game but I'd like to see with our best 11 on, on paper so I wanted to see Anguissa in there I wanted to see Morse and Lamarchon sort of build a partnership because Ream with a back problem is clearly going to be out for a while and yeah I was sort of annoyed with the lineup. I think in any game you should play your best starting 11 especially if it's a Saturday 3pm it's not like the championship when you're playing Tuesday Saturday Tuesday Saturday I think what's frustrating about the lineup in particular is that I, I'm not for like tweeting lineups before the games like, this would be my first 11 people say it on Twitter and it's like well, okay fine uh, it's the one that that starts at 3pm uh, that, that matters but everybody to a man or to a woman on Twitter and on social media were saying this is our best 11 for the game against City uh, and we didn't get it and I think uh, you know obviously Slav knows best uh, in theory but you know come on we all knew what we wanted and we didn't get it of course you're you know it's also completely fine to criticize you know when things go wrong there there is space for that criticism Farrell you know what of it were you kind of happy with were you unhappy with you know what did you make of the whole thing well the starting 11 I, I was a little bit annoyed but not surprised because as we have touched 
on this podcast the, the the first few weeks of the season. This is hardly surprising for for Slavista to do to kind of try different different starting elevens, and then hopefully he will see what he feels is the best eleven, which is totally he's totally within within his capabilities of doing so and he's got a proven track record of it um, you would think after this many games that he would be settled in a starting 11 but that's just not his style and I think you know where he's got a proven track record over a whole 38 well a 46 game season you know let's hopefully it works over a 38 game season well before we get on to the actual game just a quick reminder that Fulhamish is sponsored this season by Labrooks and for exclusive specials and promotions head to bet.fulhamish.co.uk it's never easy to concede an early goal and it's never ideal in, in any situation. But against Man City, it's pretty much football suicide. Where did it all go wrong so quickly for Fulham, Dom? Uh, we attacked in the first minute. No, but that's not necessarily a bad No, thing. but I think no the, the way we did attack in the first minute, I think there was too many players bombing forward. And then again, it then it, obviously the pressure's on Seri, the pressure's on Adoy. And uh, we obviously we'll get on to how Cyrus Christie played because he came in for Fosu which was relatively surprising as well for me personally and I think it's not that I don't want Charles Christie to bomb forward because I do it's how the system works but I feel like in, to an essence it's a bit naive against when you're playing away at Man City yeah of course but in fairness he bombs forward down that right the win, they win the corner and the man actually back at the corner is Cyrus Christie it's not you know necessarily the we didn't lose the ball and suddenly no, I just thought, the counter I, I, just, I thought it was te- sort of naive in a way the way we attacked in the first minute I think you need to just sort of get a feel for the game instead of going out all out tap because what's so good about City is not yes the way they play but the speed they get from one end of the pitch to the other the amount of times they did it to us and then obviously we got punished from I think Seri's probably first mistake since he's joined the club and they take the lead up they take the lead after what 90 seconds or so and when that went in I was like oh this is going to be a long afternoon it did it? feel like that didn't it we talk about Slav Bingo and the fact that he loves to change his players for a man who's quite happy to tinker with his first 11 he's very resolute in the style of football that he wants to play and you know I think if we, you know, if we had sort of put eleven men behind the ball, it would, we would have all been absolutely stunned. Um, and would it have, would it have come off? Would we have come off worse? I, I'm not particularly sure. I, probably, I think we probably might have done. So, I for one, am, you know, happy that we stuck to those principles. And we always knew it was going to be, you know, Pep versus Slab. We were all sort of looking forward to it. But you can just see that massive gap in quality from minute one, or you know, ninety seconds, isn't it, as it were. In that regard, Keith Andrews said that we were naive to be playing that. He also said it was disrespectful for Fulham <laughs> to go and attack Man City at home. It seems, you know, naive to suggest that Fulham were going to do anything but stick to their game plan, given what we know about Slavisa. Yeah, and why? Why is it disrespectful? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's such a bizarre thing for a commentator to say, considering that so many. Um, so many times you hear commentators or pundits go after a game while well, they gave that team too much respect where you know what is the well, correct level it, of respect it isn't that you naive, should give because you look at any team who's got a result against Man City it's a team who's attacked them or tried to play them at their own game yes Bristol City didn't necessarily get a result against them but they did go out and try and get something from the game obviously Liverpool and Man City's kryptonite at the moment and even if you if you look at when Wolves got a nil-nil against Man City they mm. Wolves were playing obviously under Nuno Santos playing good attacking football and that's the only you're not going to get a result against City there is literally no purpose in putting 11 men behind the ball against Manchester City you it, it's, you, you, you're eventually going to lose and Man City proved that so many times last season I mean Wolves obviously show when they got the draw against him is because they wanted to attack and I think yes it, if we didn't concede that uh, goal off the 
seconds, it could have been a different type of game. Yeah, yeah it's, it's definite fi- fine margins there. You know, no one expected Seri to. I don't know what. He, I don't know whether he was trying to play it round the defender. I'm sure. We'll, we'll I just don't on. think he sees him. Yeah, I well, really perhaps. don't. I don't think he sees Fernandinho. He comes. He does come kind of out of nowhere, and and the player that looks like he's going to be in question is Sterling, but it's actually Sterling that then goes mm. wide. So you know, it may be one of them. Farrell said, Drew, in the three-word reviews that you know Seri is human. He didn't seem to recover from that mistake. It, it had no impact on the game almost whatsoever. No, and then obviously you can you, he was hauled off before the hour mark, which isn't you know never a good sign. But I, I find it a touch unfortunate. Uh, I, I read um, I wasn't lucky enough to go to the game, and uh, before I actually watched the game, I read uh, a number of newspaper reports just to just to get started and, and I was reading about this Seri mistake and I was thinking oh god he's, he's completely effed up here and then uh, when I saw it I was like yeah okay fair enough it's it's not a great ball but it's not a, it's not a hospital pass he's just not seen that he's just not seen Fernandinho and it's just a bit of a shame he got a bit crucified in the press and I think you know in the game he's obviously looking at that and thinking uh, you know he's thinking it's a lot worse than I suppose it resulted in a goal so it was but yeah it's just a shame to see it knock his confidence because obviously we know how good he is and it would have been a great time a great game for him to sort of showcase his skills but uh, as you say yeah I think a lot of our players uh, are, are confidence players and, it, and I think it's knocked the wind out of his sails as it did us uh, the goal in, in the first minute and a half I don't think Seri played as bad as anyone else in that team to be honest I think everyone played an average kind of game yeah everyone was a but, 5 or 6 out of 10 probably. yeah and Man City were all 9 and 10s out of 10 I've, I've it was so impressive watching Man City their their athleticism on and off the ball is a, you know it made Fulham look so passenger but you can tell the Fulham players were, were doing their best but Man City are so athletic and physical and quick minded that they were able to exploit all the tiny little weaknesses that Fulham players have and I don't think it's a lack of effort or whether they're playing particularly badly they just weren't good enough which just wasn't our day yeah. and it wasn't apart from that even just the slightest pass from really reliable passes like Kevin McDonald even the slightest pass that was even a half a yard astray they were, it was picked well, up we're on. playing one of the best teams in Premier League history yeah, yeah. of course yeah. like and one of the top three or four in Europe at the moment and it's it's just this, it's just a speed they get the ball from one end of the pitch to the other which is ridiculous you, you, they'll be defending the ball and then next minute you know Sterling's completely broken our defence mm. so I think if you can't, there's not really much you can look into it like you can't yes I was expecting it's possibly to score in this game but to be fair yes we didn't have too many shots during that but we were still playing our football yeah. the ball was getting into the positions where we'd sometimes have shots it's not like we were just we were defending the entire game we did have we did have possession of the ball. It's not like when Huddersfield go there and when Cardiff are going to go there when they're going to have like 12% possession. Yeah, I we can't did... remember us creating a chance though. No, the only chances I really remember was when Sherla pinged it about 10 yards into the middle, over the bar, into the middle tier yeah. in the first half when Florida Ete came on, he had that chance. It just sort of, it Yeah, because I thought he actually did quite well for that chance. And mm. So yeah, yes, we didn't have any chances, but the actual play of how we were playing football was actually quite good. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for, you know, Pep's comments after the game where he obviously said that he thought Fulham were a good side and that they will stay up and you know that's obviously good high praise from from a man who like you say has created probably the greatest Premier League side in history but you know more than that it, it felt like City didn't really get out of second gear they didn't need to we gave them pretty much all three goals and in that respect, it felt like it would have been nice to have even seen City kind of break into their gears and have to break us down. And they didn't yeah, really to be have fair, to Man do Man City that. haven't got a second, uh, second or third gear all season long. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I just, but as a point of interest, you know, it would have been nice to see them try and get into those gears. It would also have been nice to see 
if we had our full strength first eleven, how it would have fared. Because I feel like Johan- Johansson was a bit of a passenger in midfield. But same with Seri. I'm, the midfield just sort of seemed a bit non-existent for me. Hey, Johansson did what he always does. He worked hard. Yeah, you, you know, know. I he- think that's 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 one thing you can, you, which was sort of important during the game. Because I think, yes, he's not necessarily got the technical ability, but you need those legs when you're playing a team who get the ball from one side of the pitch to the other. But as I said, I just would have liked to see how our, our full strength side would have fared. I think it's interesting to to remark on that, and and I made this point on Twitter you know on at the time on Saturday evening that I didn't you know want you know Johansson in there I didn't really want Adoy in there I, I probably you know even for me probably wouldn't have picked Cyrus Christie but I thought they were three of our better players as it went I, I thought that you know yes your, your fullbacks get torn apart but going forward Cyrus Christie was probably our biggest outlet I thought Johansson offered midfield some energy that no one else really did and I don't think Adoy really did much wrong I think the key point here that we're trying to say is it would be really unfair to single out any single player here we were the second best team out there by a little bit of a margin but you can't really criticize the players it just it just wasn't our day we came against up against one of the best teams in the league yeah one thing i was going to say is that although we conceded three goals i think it was one of better than better games this yeah, season. i agree like I, agree. I think out of all the game well benny's third game of the season yeah honestly it's probably his best his best game so far well, he's I, bit, he is a bit of a big Big game player. Yeah, because yeah, I think from the two games he played, he conceded four goals from six shots on target. And I think, well, they had like 27 shots. I don't know how many had on target, but he was made, he made some very, very good saves. And yes, he conceded three goals, which none of was were, were his fault. No. And so I think, yeah, I think he's actually... It's actually a, it was actually a good thing for Bettinelli because he actually put in a very very good performance and it showed why Gareth Southgate has clearly got him in his plans. Well, yeah, of course, you know he's obviously been called up for a reason. His shot stopping ability has never really been in question. There were other positives too. Zambo looked good when he came on, added a, a real kind of energy in there that we were really lacking at that point. Well, yeah, if you if, in, if you look at Anguissa, yes, I mentioned his Europa League final performance all the time, but if you just look if you look at if you look at Marseille actually last night in the game against Gongam, they actually did miss some mobility in the midfield for the first hour. Like I switched the game off the 55 minutes because it was 0-0 and then obviously ended up winning 4-0 Pai has got an absolute belter but he is he brings that legs into midfield he brings a different type of athleticism than Johansson does uh, I don't know how to describe it, but it's just a sort of different type of mobility. It's, it's more rangy. I would say it's more explosive. It's definitely yeah. more explosive. Johansson is literally has one gear. And that <laughs> just is, always which, is running around. Yeah, exactly. It? Whereas uh, Zambo is more sort of like so much. So Johansson is driving an automatic, and uh, Anguis has got a five gear. Yeah, yeah. exactly. There we are. And uh, McDonald's got a push bike. <laughs> but I did want to speak about Ryan Sessegnon, who you know did have a tough afternoon, but then again, he was up against Raheem Sterling and, and Leroy Sane when they switch wings. That's going to be a tough afternoon for anyone. He did make some good tackles, though, and a couple of good tracking runs. Yes, he dived in a little bit rashly at points, but you know ultimately, defensively, he looks like he's improving, even if you know that does then crucify the attacking side of his game 100% and obviously Drew touched upon obviously the media reports afterwards I, I tried not to read them because they're usually just absolutely diabolically bad but one point that a lot of papers actually touched on today was Ryan Sessegnon and they spoke about how he obviously his comments after the game about this is the season for him to mature and Slav is really helping and people forget how old he is he's still only 18 yeah, yeah. not even 18 and a half so I think people, and he, he's, this, is a, this is not a year for him to showcase his talent necessarily it's a year for him to grow as a player find his feet find his feet in the Premier League then next year and the year after is a year for him to push on and I, th- I don't think he looked out of depth at all in the game obviously he's playing left back which is not his favourite position but it, I think in the Premier League he isn't a player to be playing off the striker I don't think it suits his game as much because you're not going to get an, as many chances he's not going to be able to get to the rebounds as quick as he can because obviously the Premier League defenders are going to be more reactionary so it's, it's finding what where he fits in this film side it's quite surprising how Brian was playing 
playing for the first few games and now is nowhere to be seen. But yeah, as, as, as we sort of mentioned for all the players, no one played particularly bad. And I think this was actually really important for Session. And obviously him and Bettinelli seem to be the only players who actually wanted to come to the away end after. We mentioned before about the athleticism in the Premier League. He was the only one in our team that really, in terms of speed and and strength, he was the only one that was really matched up with uh, the Man City players he seemed to be so much quicker than his markers a couple of times and he did get round the back unfortunately and I think that this was guilty of both our full backs in particular was the amount of times they got into crossing positions and they took either took an extra touch to try and get inside and get extra space and I think every single time they were dispossessed it's not like we've ever seen that Fulham before is it? (laughs) (laughs) whereas you know they did it kind of was a bit too predictable but, but you know for that so it might have been beneficial to try and mix up a little bit and just get some crosses into the box because I just don't think we... It sounds kind of old school, but I don't think we did it enough, i.e. we didn't do it at all. Right, so we're going to talk heavily about the defence, you know, in a little while, you know, under a whole kind of topic of what the defence has been like this season so far. But just kind of briefly and lastly on Man City, is there anyone whose positions are very much under threat given that game or is City just a free hit? It's not. It is. I think. It, I think it's just. It's just a free here. I. Th- I feel like more. Mawson will be starting centre back, but it's between Lamarchon and Tim Ream. But as I mentioned earlier, Tim Ream's back problems, especially for a centre back. I think we saw Brad Hangley when he had his back issues. That you never come back the same player. Obviously, we hope the same thing doesn't happen to Tim Ream, who was our player of the season last year by an absolute country mile. So I. I just no. I feel, I feel like Adoy won't play against Watford. You, he can't play against Watford. I'm not having Adoy go against Troy Deeney and Andre Gray. That's well, not I mean, going to end. The, the argument would be that Adoy might have the pace to counter Andre Gray as opposed to. Yeah, but when Troy his... Deeney's going to be going up against, I, I think you, I agree with you. I think I think you need I think you need the higher centre back positions, and I, I, I think yeah I think I, I would bring in Lamarchon for Adoy and I bring in Anguissa for Stefan Johansson. I think the front three should stay as it is. I think. Cessnion, as much as we, we love him, he's not intelligent enough quite yet. If you not, well, he is intelligent enough, but if you're comparing him to Andre Scherler and especially Luciano Vieto, there's no reason why he should drop any three because I think they work really well as a front three, especially as with Andre Scherler and Vieto sort of working as two tens or inside forwards. Yeah, Vieto did have a quiet game, though. There, yeah, will, th- there will be, you know, not necessarily justified, but there will be calls from the fan base to try, you know, Scherler, Mitrovic and Cessnion, I believe. There will be, it will be because I don't, th- I don't think anyone, as we said earlier, they, they, no one really played badly. Yes, he had a bit of a quiet game, but it's Man City. I think it's just, you can't really take too much from it. I would, I would still start him against Watford because just f- for his football brain, really. Like we saw, if I, like the two assists or the assists sorry, he got for one when he whips it in for Mitrovic for the goal against Burnley. I don't think Session whips that ball in. No, we we have to get that starting eleven sort of a bit more settled, and I think that front three at the moment is probably the most settled part of the team. That's those are the three players that Slav wants to go forward with. It's been three out of the five games. It's been those three. I think with games like City, it's something that we all have to get used to as fans. These we keep calling them free hits. It's it's uh, they you know everyone's saying after the game this game won't define our season and it won't. And it's one of these sort of concepts that we we're not used to after four years in the championship where every single game you were scrapping towards promotion and every single point counts whereas obviously when we're you know let's be honest when you're trying to stay in the league which is what we're trying to do regardless of you know people saying that we want to try and push on we wouldn't be doing our you know bet saying we'll be you know doing ourselves a disservice if we didn't aim for the top half we're looking for 17th and so you don't need to win every game because the teams around you aren't and so you get games like City where you go into it you know you're not going to probably not going to get anything and then does that play into Slav's mind when he plays around with the team uh, and it's difficult to analyse because you know going forward 
is it is it part of the master plan games like this probably not so it's, it's, a, it's a really strange sort of situation to be in well we'll be talking the defense slav bingo and your questions after the break hello i'm lucas piazon and when i'm not winding up reading fans i'm listening to fulhamish podcast fulhamish is back for the season by ladbrooks welcome back to the fulhamish podcast my name is jack collins and i'm joined by farrell monk hello drew heatley hello and don betts hello hello we're talking defense now but before that we want you to go on our youtube channel and subscribe we'll have fan cams up from jack kelly getting the thoughts of the fans outside the etihad on the train home we'll also have david preston's on the road up very shortly so go out check it out and make sure you're subscribed so we got a lot of questions this week and pretty much all of them are about the defence. So I've decided to mash this section into one big sort of questions and defence and Slav Bingo mashup, which I think we... We love a good mashup, don't we, man? We are, we are a mashup kind of podcast. So let's start with Julian Hare and Tambo FFC, who both basically asked, does Slav know his best back four yet? No. He, I don't... Well, it, it's quite similar to West Ham in a way. The reason... Like, a lot of people... They didn't... They, he, Pellegrini does not know his best eleven, And Slav doesn't even. When we focus it on the back four, we've tried so many different combinations because we have so many different options and we don't know who works well together. Because, yes, you look... Oh, Morton's right foot and Lamarchand's left foot. You can play them two together, but... but when was the last time Mawson played on the right-hand side of in a, in a back two? I was going to bring this up with you earlier because you were saying Lamarchand and, and Mawson... And Mawson does play left centre-back. Yeah, that's why he's been playing with Swansea because he likes he loves playing those sort of balls across the pitch, and th- that is something you've got to think about. And does does that mean do, what does that mean? Who plays a centre back next to him? Maybe that's why he's been playing Adoy there because he knows Morse is more comfortable on the left. But I think for me, Adoy is good enough to sort of come in now and again, but I don't think he's good enough to start in the Premier League consistently. And I think Lamarchon is. I think when he when he, he's shown in the first couple of games that he is a very very good centre back. So for me, I, for me, I don't think Slab does know, but I think. He, he knows who maybe his four best defender or his two best centre backs and his two best full backs are, but he doesn't know the four best who work as a cohesive, cohesive unit. Yeah, of course. Farrell? Yeah, I, I do agree. It's it's going to take some time for Slavisa to, to, to recognise what his best four defensive people are, or five if he decides to do that random switch he likes to do once or twice a season. Um, the same way that he's still probably trying to figure out his best 11 overall. Um you know, you, you asked a little bit earlier, you know, are there any people that are, you know, up for places that are up for grabs? And I think that pretty much any position on the pitch, bar like one or two, is the same. And it's it's no different from, from the defence. And I still think it's going to take some time for him to to figure that out. And it's quite it's quite funny that we're literally just focusing on, like, the, the, the two centre-backs. We haven't really touched upon, you know, the full-backs yet. You oh, know? Oh, oh, we will. <laughs> we will. Oh, we will. We'll get there. And, um, you know, you, the... the the, the two centre-backs is a really interesting one. I do think that Mawson is going to be top dog in there in the middle for, for quite some time. It, I, I do get this feeling that he, do, he does like Adoy because of his footballing abilities, his his ability to play out the back, his ability to actually take people on in the, in the centre of the park and go on those mazy runs, which, you know, fills us with joy, I'm sure, when we see him picking it up and trying to take on Premier League players. Uh, uh, attacking yeah, yeah midfielders but you know maybe that's what he likes and that's something that Chambers doesn't offer and that's something that Le Marchand doesn't offer either um, 
And that's probably why that Callas lost the position last year and never got it back we, from Adoy. We speak about this, and I, I think even in the, in the championship, it took us a while to find our best 11. Like the, our best 11 in the season we got knocked out in the playoff semi-finals against Reading was so much different to our best 11 the following season, even though majority yeah. of them were probably the same same players mostly so I think Slavs you can't just assume the same system is going to work we're playing this new system with obviously Scherler and Vieta not really being wingers but more being right, right behind Mitrovic and so you've got to work out what midfield suits that and then you've got to need, you need your best fullbacks so obviously they need to provide the width in that system so I think like we don't yeah I think it's too early to sort of know what your best 11 is I mean we played five games and we yeah, signed, and we what, spent 100 million brought in 10 or 11 new signings so I don't I think Slav is just slowly working out but you can't just work that out in training he's got he's got to know how they're going to react in game scenarios I wonder how and, and he's not said anything yet but I wonder how sort of happy Slav was with some of the late signings that we made particularly in defence because we I don't want to go on to the fullbacks too early but uh, you know Target we, tra- we, we tracked him all summer we tried to get him we ended up getting in Brian who I think we're all agreed we quite we were quite happy with for the price compared to what we could have got Target in and Fossi Mensa comes in last minute now you know, fullbacks are quite crucial to the way we play. How happy is Slav with those two? Is this why he keeps putting in Sessa uh, left back for a couple of times now and going to, uh, to Christie, who we had last season? I know he didn't play too much. Um, you know, so is he the fact that he's going back to the players that he knows? Does that sort of hint at a sort of frustration with the new guys that we brought in? I don't know. There's a there's a question that there will be someone that gets Jordan Graham. Yeah, that, that someone is going to get left out, and that is a worry. You know, along the line, but. You know, there is, you know, we said it along the summer that, that right back is a position that we were reasonably comfortable. You know, we said that an upgrade would be great, but if Cyrus Christie was our starting right back, then there were going to be games like City that he potentially wasn't going to be able to be capable of. But ultimately, you know, most of the time, Cyrus Christie will be fine in the Premier League. Most of the time, you know, because we'll be on the front foot and we'll have possession, that'll be fine. Bringing in Fosu Mensa is obviously, you know, an upgrade in some senses. And I think that most of us would have him start, including me. And, I, you know, I'm a Cyrus fan, but I think Fossi Mensa is probably the slightly better right back. Not by much, but they are quite similar. They're just quite similar. Yeah, I, yeah. I, just, I, feel, I just feel like with Fossi Mensa, he brings a bit more defensively, maybe Cyrus, or physicality-wise, yeah. maybe. I think, it's, I think it's that definite athleticism that yeah. we need and that we saw from City and that we don't have I feel, enough I, that, of Yeah, that's moment. why I would start Fossi Mensa. I don't think that, yeah, there's not much between them, sort of technical ability-wise, possibly, but the physicality of Fossi Mensa just adds a, a lot more, especially in the Premier League especially if we, like we're going against a Watford team this week they're not a direct side but they're, they've they got a lot of physical players in there yeah of course so Ibs321 on Twitter has asked us Dennis Adoy seems to be right back at the heart of things is Slav blindly loyal or is there justification is <laughs> that a pun it? in there Right, wow. right back in the heart of things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know if he's necessarily blindly loyal, but it goes back to that better the devil you know, where he's back in Johansson, uh, he's back in Adoy, even even bets to it to an extent. Although I think his hand was forced on that. I think uh, it just goes for me back to that that question about uh, about the transfers. So blindly loyal, he he is very headstrong and he's very stubborn, so we know that. So I can see why you know you might think that, um, and maybe he is. But uh, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see in the next sort of five games if we haven't got that sort of starting 11 down certainly if we haven't got that back four down um, I think you know we could be in a bit of a bit of a pickle I do think that Slavisa is um, not just trying out these little defensive partnerships here and there but also the fact there are so many new bodies in the in the in the squad now that he has to sort of try you know p- play these players for like 90 minutes and get them involved in the system and change the way that they've been used to before 
I'm, I'm guessing Zambo might have, you know, must have been playing a totally different system at Marseille from how Fulham are doing, and therefore, you know, he's slowly integrating him, playing him for 90 minutes, then maybe bringing on with a sub. And this is not just him; these are quite a lot of players all all around, and trying them in and out the same with Le Marchand or Vieto, so on and so forth. And eventually, we'll get to the stage where he's got a settled um, 11, and then if he needs to make any sort of uh, squad changes because of or team changes because of injuries, he's already knows that he has someone that's completely used to the system already. And that's not something that they've just kept on practicing on the training ground. Yeah. They are being practiced in match situations. Well, yeah, with, with, if you look at Anguisa, obviously Rudy Garcia, yes, he was playing in a similar system, but he was playing more to Kevin McDonald role than yes. he was the sort of yeah, Stephanie Hansen role being the more mobile centre midfielder. So I think, yeah, it's, it's a change it's a change in role for Anguisa. And he, he, we possibly thought he might be taking McDonald outside, but that's clearly not happening. Because well, it's not happening for now while Kearney's injured, but there's, there is an argument to say that it might happen later down the line. It'll be, it's an option. I don't think it will necessarily happen on a regular basis because I think McDonald offers something different to what Anguisa will. Anguisa will want to move forward and see Rudy Garcia plays a more structured system, I yes, guess you I guess you can say than Savisa's more flexible system. But yeah, it's just yeah, it's just players getting used to the new system, players getting used to the club and it will it will eventually click. We saw it last season. Mm. And in the season before. Stuff will eventually click. Well there's something to be said maybe for K-Max leadership in the side and Ben Walbrun has asked do we miss Tim Ream I'm not even going to suggest maybe for his kind of footballing prowess which we're all very aware of is it maybe his leadership and knowledge of the system and knowledge of the players around him that we're lacking the most at centre half at the moment I think so I think if you look if you look at when we played a lot of the times it's, we're playing four or five players at the back who've ne- pretty much never played together before so I think it's definitely something especially in defence that the leadership and communication is so key that's why we've seen Ben Ali come back into the side so I think it's something that will eventually grow but yes we have missed Tim Ream because if Tim Ream was let's say with Ben Ali in goal with just Mawson next to him with Christian Cessna the only new player in there is Alfie Mawson so I think it is something to be meant. It's something to be spoke about. When yes, he's a great defender, but we've also missed his, his sort of how he knows the system and sort of yeah his leadership qualities. Because obviously at the moment the only leader in the team you could say is Kevin McDonald. Yeah, and all of our, you know some of our best Fulham teams have had that talismanic sort of that anchor in the centre of defence, and we haven't got that so far this season. Everybody's talking about you know in the next few years Mawson can grow into that to that rock in the, the centre of defence, and I've no doubt he will. But at the moment, it's all it's all very embryonic, and there's no. Well, yeah, we're not talking about the next few seasons. We need it now. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, and that, and that's and therein lies the problem, I think. So yeah, Tim Ream definitely miss him. When you hear back interviews about great Fulham teams down the years, you know the promotion ones, the the, the ones under Hodgson, a lot of those. Uh, players always talk about how in the squad and ju- you know just not just on the on the starting 11 but just in the squad as a whole how many leaders there were in the squad as well you know they, they talk about um the, the the promotion season they said yes cookie was our, our was an inspirational leader but all around the dressing room wherever they looked you know barry hales was was an inspir was was quite a, a leader in there as well same with brevet and also Meg taylor they're all kind of like leadership figures um and i think that this is what we're kind of touching on here is that not just Kevin McDonald on the on the on the starting in the starting eleven is is a leader, but obviously Tom Kearney's the club captain, but leads by example probably more than with his mouth. Um, and there are other players that we that we that are integrated into Marcelo Jallo. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think exactly. the leaders you look for at this point are the likes of Alexander Mitrovic, the likes of. Andre Scherler, mm. who you know have one been here and done it before, but also it was you know tangible that when 
Kearney went off against Spurs, it was Mitrovic that got the armband, not Johansson. I think there's something to be said for that. Mm. I think Slav does see him as that kind of talismanic leader that will eventually probably have the armband should Tom mm. Kearney go. And I think that you look at someone like Troy Deeney at Watford, I think that that's the kind of leadership style that Slav would look to impose on Mitrovic that would calm him down, keep his head from going, and also give him the responsibility that brings out the best of him, and we've seen bring out the best of him. Yeah, some some players thrive and some people and some others die from it. But hopefully, we can see him thrive from it. You've got two types of captains, don't you? You've got the you've got the Chris Coleman's, and then you've got for every Chris Coleman, you've got a Lewis Belmorte. You've got mm. somebody who leads by example, or somebody who leads by the mouth. And and you know, I think Mitrovic maybe straddles the both of those. But uh, you know, Kearney's certainly on one side. Somebody like McDonald's on another. And uh, yeah, it, maybe somebody in central defence would be great. So I like Tim Ream to do the same thing. So. A lot of questions coming in about Joe Bryan. It's his birthday today. Happy birthday, Happy birthday. Joe. Big up. Happy birthday, big up, Joe. The most well-read Fulham player in a long, long time. He's he's trying to like rival Dennis Sadoy for the most hipster player at Fulham. Yeah, but he's like actually clever. Not just he doesn't just wear glasses without frames. Yeah, you mean like Ben Jarman? <laughs> yeah, 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 like Ben Jarman. <laughs> um, so Robert Land, Alan Rustad, Ali, Justin Evans, Joe Sansom, all of these people asking where's Joe Bryan and what's he done wrong he's reading too many books he's not turned up to training <laughs> maybe he was injured from birthday beats Got the they wouldn't have been today where is he I, well, to be fair even when he was playing so like, he never made 90 minutes I don't think he was always taken off around the hour mark so I don't know if there's a fitness issue there or maybe Slap or maybe Slav just doesn't think he's up to the level yet. There's no reason to say why he can't get up there. He still what, turns 25 today. Yeah. So, I mean, there's no reason why he can't get up there yet. I just feel like maybe he doesn't feel he's the best fit for the system at the moment. I think that's the only reason I can really think. For me, it's 100%. Uh, you know, it's a, level, it's a level up and he's not there yet. He's, he played for City, Bristol City last season. Bearing in mind, they weren't in the promotion mix, particularly towards the end of the season. You know, So he's not exactly been at the top of the championship. Uh, it's just a bit of a, a, a huge move up I think and uh, I, I think he's definitely got a role to play and I think he definitely will be our he'll uh, start more games than he doesn't uh, at left back but I just think uh, at this stage he's getting I don't know eased in like you mentioned with Anguissa okay, so when he does come back there is a question where does Cess fit Chris DeMarch just asked this on Twitter you know, if Brian does come back in and as we say Vieto has the footballing knowledge you know, is there a space for Cess to start games I think there is, but I think it's more. It's not going. He's going to start forty games like he does, like he did last season. It's going to be, he comes in and in and out. He comes in at left back. He comes in at left wing. I don't think. I think, and I think it's better for him, because I feel like he's had so much football over the last two years, especially with the was it the Euros or the World Cup he played Euros. in? Euros. The Euros. Yeah, yeah, it was the other Cessy won the World Cup, wasn't it? Yeah. So I think. So you know, just the obsessed winning the World Cup. But no, I <laughs> don't think, worry about it, just a minor. Thing. Yeah, yeah, no, but no, but I, th- I think it's he has not had too much fault, but it's better for him to actually not be playing ninety minutes every week because he he needs to sort of as we went before he needs to sort of work his way into becoming a Premier League player. And I don't think that necessarily happens by forcing him into the side every week. If he's not the best option for that game, you simply don't play him. And I think he will he will play a lot of minutes this season, but not necessarily as many as he has the last two. I think we're seeing now in the first five games of the season how Sess is being handled as. Exactly the reason he didn't go to uh, a top six club uh, in the summer because one, he is not a Premier League great yet. He's you know he's only just played five games. He's got to ease himself into it the way that you were mentioning the way that Slav's going to manage him. And he, you know he has to if he went to you know one of the top six, he wouldn't even get a sniff. He'd do a Patrick Roberts. So the way 
we you know you might have and you might have initially thought you know when we go up and he stays with us he's going to play 38 games but actually this is a far better uh, way to ease him into the league and something that he can only be afforded at a club like Fulham whereas he wouldn't get anywhere else I don't know he might fancy a loan's better here or not you never know <laughs> yeah. he, tr- he seems to trust Slav though which is key because if he in, trusts in Slav all his he interview- trusts the in way all he's his, being in held. all his interviews when he's talking about his progression as football he mentioned Slav every time and how he's happy with his his particular system at the moment I can't remember I think it might have been in the mirror or the sun debate or talking about that and so he's clearly happy with what his progression at the moment and yeah, people just keep forgetting how young he is some players don't even get into the first team in the championship or the Premier League until they're 19-20 so he's what 18 and 4 or 5 months I reckon there was uh, there was uh, people keep asking um, and Mourinho is sick of the questions that keep asking him of Marcus Rashford and how many minutes he gets played and saying he gets not get played enough and he does get played like quite a lot like of all England of all English players under 21 he's like far and well, away Rashford played the most minutes out of a lot of United players last well, year yeah. Yeah, yeah and I think if they included in that because they only included Premier League minutes if they included Sessegnon in that you know you can see he was actually getting played much more and he probably has actually played um, more than Rashford this season as well. Yeah, yes. There, there was a thing about England youngsters. The only, you know, he's played pretty much as him, and then Rashford, and then Phil Foden, who's only got forty-seven exactly. minutes. So he's getting that exposure he needs. He's not playing ninety minutes every week. You know, he's he has made an appearance every game so far. I'm I'm tempted yeah, to think, say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's more than most players get, and he's still only eighteen. Yeah, of course. Let's move now into the other questions. Let's move away from, from the defence for a little while. I think we've, we've kind of done that to death a little bit. Now, this is quite an interesting one. I got this a similar question from Lawrence Peterman and Sam FFC1 on Twitter. He said, how are you guys enjoying the Premier League so far? I'm missing the excitement and unpredictability of the championship. Saturday was all that I had feared. An easy win for City in a sterile atmosphere. And I suspect there may be a few more away games like this in the future. It's, it's a tough one because they're totally different leagues. I mean, you can't. Yeah. I don't think you can really compare the two because, yes, you want to be back in the big time. You want to be back in the Premier League because, because yes, the days out in the Championship are great because we were winning. But this is the league we want to be in. And yes, the, the away the away days may not be as good, but they're still they're still great. I mean, we brought one two thousand five hundred to Man City. We sold out the lower tier, pretty much sold out the middle tier, and there was a few few probably hundred in the upper tier. And I think the atmosphere the atmosphere wasn't bad. It doesn't really help when you go one nil down after two minutes. I was going to so. say this. I saw a lot of complaints about Fulham being quiet, you know, from Fulham fans, and he was like, "Well, that's... I always I always hate it when fans complain about atmosphere because I was like." It's down to you. You make it. Yeah. You're the ones who make the atmosphere. If you're going to complain about the atmosphere and you're singing ninety all ninety minutes, then great. But if you're going to complain about the atmosphere and not say one word, then like you can't. It was like a lot of Palace fans complaining about the homes and ultras. Oh, we need we need the HF to become a graph. So it's like no, you don't. You're an atmosphere. You've got a voice. Use it. Yeah. For me, you know, moaning about the Premier League and everything that goes with it when you're there is the equivalent of, you know striving to get into Europe and then putting out your reserves in Europa League like what is the point in trying to get promoted to the Premier League if when you're there all you're going to do is moan it's a completely different beast you as fans you know as the players and the manager will say you know we're looking forward to the next game we're only thinking about the next game obviously as fans we're looking to, we're looking towards Watford at home even before the City game in terms of where we're going to pick up points it's a different frame of mind there's a different sort of approach to it um, but it it doesn't mean it's better or any better or any worse than scrapping for every point to try and get out of the championship. They're, they're just they're just different. Yeah, there are there are definite positives about being in the championship, but 
and I can totally see that there was a lot of champ, a lot of times in the in the fourth season of the championship, I was having a wicked time, and I think that it definitely outweighs the times that it wasn't so great. But the 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 Premier League is a whole different beast. It's it's the pinnacle of football. It's where Fulham want to be. It's where I want to be. It's where a lot of fans want to be. We want to pit ourselves against the best in the world. We want to be noticed. We've had our times in the doldrums in the third division and playing, um, you know, the the foot in the football league trophy and losing to Lee RMI and in, in you know in the first round of of the FA Cup. But we don't we don't want that anymore. We no. you, we want to pit ourselves against the best. We want to have these amazing players playing for Fulham. You know, who much as it was derived and everything like that, but. I never thought I'd see Dimitar Berbatov in it playing for Fulham or, you know, or Moussa Dembele, just to name two. This is where we want to be. This is where Fulham should be, hopefully, for a long, long time. And if you want to go up to Doncaster Rovers, then hopefully, you know, the FA Cup third round draws come up in January. So yeah. you never know. You know, we get, we get some good games in the Cup. They'll be fine. Yeah. To think of the Whalers, the Whalers are what you make of it. They're not... Yeah, of course. So it's, it's down to you to have a great time. Yeah. Yes, the, the, realistically, in a way, though, the game is a two-hour inconvenience of your day. We had a laugh, yeah. didn't we? Yeah, it was, yeah. I, I, I didn't have any problem with City. Yes, I was, really, I was in a bit of a weird mood on a train bad, but overall as a day, it was fine. I mean, I've, I mean, yes, I've been to City probably five or six times, and actually only seen us lose there twice. And we lost there 5-0 last time, so it wasn't as bad this time. <laughs> I think one more thing I would say on it, though, is that would, would you take um, a 6-0 burnt, uh, home victory against Burton Albion over the two-wall draw against Man United away at Old Trafford? Or a draw here, you know, on the off chance we might get a draw at City at, at the weekend. That United away game was absolutely hilarious. It was, wasn't it? It was so funny. It's comedy value more than anything else. Is that, but when Darren Bent scored that banger from one yard out. Yeah. Also, like the the other week when we played Spurs at Wembley was still to me. I don't know about you guys, was amazing. Like I still, I have to pinch myself sometimes and think Fulham are going to be playing at these big stadiums week in week out. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll just give me that over Bowen away or Blackburn Rovers away any day of the week because I'm, I'm mainly those two because I hate them both. But <laughs> you've got Burnley to look forward to. I've not done Burnley yet, so I'm actually looking forward to that. I mean, we lo- I think I think we lost there two one last time I went there when we lost on like the Tuesday night. You know, Tuesday night away at Burnley. I'd see, see, everyone says, oh, the, the, you have all these great away days at proper old school grounds in the Championship and stuff like that. But in the Premier in the Premier League, you're getting to go to like some of the best grounds in Europe. Yeah. Just like every, nearly near enough every week. Like to be fair, there's probably there's, there's like near enough as many soulless domes in the championship than there are in the Premier League. Oh, there is now. Yeah, That's exactly yeah, so true. Look, we've been talking about stadiums for a while. The last question we've got today is from Joe Sansom. He he wants to you know put a question to us about the cottage. I suppose after experiencing City away, he says, "Is it time for Fulham to have a singing section next to away supporters? You know that." in grounds we've been to where there are you know the the fans on one side and, and you get that kind of ding dong between the two fans makes for a better atmosphere if this was the case would it be worth allowing people to buy season tickets in the Putney end and forming one I know logistically there are arguments and I don't really necessarily want to go into them I, you know I understand that there are logistical arguments about selling season tickets in the Putney end but theoretically is it time for Fulham to maybe start even just sending the end of the Riverside as a kind of singing block to, to kind of get that kind of thing going. There there is that argument, but also, if you've seen the whole si- sort of, I know it's a don't get young, but if you look at if you look at Crystal Palace with the Holmesdale Fanatics, they've had a they've had a massive problem due to that, and it's the way the club will handle it, and it will take it will take it takes a long time because it's like people I know people don't sit in in the uh, sort of a uh, 
partly in, but people in Hammersmith, they've been there for, what, 20 years yeah, or so? Yeah, they don't want to move. Yeah, they yeah. don't want to move. That's where our, in H5 and H6, that's where our core, fa- core fan base is. Yes, it will, we probably, you'll probably get less complaints about from away fans about atmosphere to Fulham fans if you had a singing section next to the away end. It's, it's, a, okay, it's an okay idea, but I, it means, but then you'd have nothing next to them in the partly end. It, need, it would need to be the whole the whole yeah. of the Putney End being sold out and that won't happen because I, I, yes I, I really see I think the Putney End should be the actual home end anyway because it's next to the cottage mm. that's, the, that's, what I've, that's always, what I've always thought but no, I don't think it's nece- I don't think it's necessary really I think yes it works in some grounds but I think Crane Cottage is unique and it doesn't need it I personally think that stuff like singing sections could could be a good thing I just don't I don't see it happening the only way that well the the one solution to it is all of those fans at the back of H5 and H6 move forward because they are so far away from the pitch. But I feel like the only thing that's going to really change the atmosphere at the cottage is um, safe standing. Yeah, no, Damn it, I was going to say. 100%. It's so true. That's that's yeah. what's going to do it. Singing because then everyone will just thing. bunch up and... You're too comfortable sat down. Like That's the thing. Like, I'm guilty of it as well. If I'm stood up in an away game, I'm a thousand times more likely to sing for a far longer period of time because I'm I'm stood up, I'm active. Like If you sat down, it's just too comfortable. You can't eat your prawn sandwich if you stood up. Well, it's difficult. Yeah, you, can't, you, you can't I eat your sandwich stop. standing up. It's not a thing. I don't know. I can eat whenever I want. No, no, I can eat in any position. Yeah. Going, but <laughs> you don't stand. You know, when up. the Riverside stand gets redone, there is going to be scope for the way that you know, and the, the logistics of the away fans at the moment means that we can't do anything with the neutral end because you can't split the two fans off. You can't split the gates. Hmm. When the Riverside stand gets redone, there is probably going to be scope for that. Is that something the club need to be thinking about? I think they need to be thinking about all those sorts of things that can improve the atmosphere. And they since they proved that it wasn't the open corners that is sucking the sucking the noise into the Thames. That's a good excuse that one though. So yeah. I love that. I still use it. I use it all the time. Yeah, but you know, since they quote unquote proved it, uh, that that shows to me that they're thinking actively about ways to improve the atmosphere of the ground. So are they going to be looking at that? I would I would suggest absolutely. And would they be looking at things like safe standing if and when you know that comes well, yeah, in at the top? Can we get done with a megaphone at the front uh, like they do at like Marseille? Well, or what are they doing? In America, or in the Bundesliga, where, where, where I, well, I don't usually watch the game anyway, so it'd be fine. Just yeah. have, yeah. Just, just have you in the concourse with, yeah. the, with the microphone. Yeah, and I, th- I think I think also one one thing with safe standing is it also encourages. I don't, I don't know if it. I don't. I know TIFO displays aren't necessarily thinking, but like just a, a, just a similar thing. They do sort of encourage atmosphere. Yeah, of when, course. When there's flags flying across, when there's when when there's massive designs going across, and I think it's it's a thing to, to, to look to look at. And yeah, as you said, I think anything that would, that is going to improve the atmosphere is safe standing. And also, like you, when you, I mean, in recent memory, when we have gone to to stadiums with with terracing, you know, Brentford Burton. For, and Burton, for example. You see people Doisberg. singing. You see people singing, and you move towards them because that's where you want to be. And all the people that don't mm. want to be there, they move, move to the away. sides. Yeah. It works. It works. The only thing that will stop us doing safe standing is that um, is capacity issues because you have to have the same amount of capacity within the stand as you would do in the concourse. So the concourse has to be built for that amount of people as well. Well, isn't safe standing just the seats coming up? It wouldn't incre- it wouldn't increase capacity. No, they they so that's one of the one of the things that they say people want safe standing so they can sell more tickets. Why can't so, Why can't I remember what the concourse was like when it was terracing? I can't remember what the hammy end. What was it like in the concourse? It was there was more because there was less toilets. 
yeah. back then. Yeah. So, you know, there's like so many still more the toilets. Same toilets but at the back, though, there's still the same toilet huts, so aren't they? At the back of the Hammy Nows, as they were. But there's, there's more, more of, of them. them. Yeah. yeah. So they've probably taken away space from that. Yeah. But they probably haven't thought about that because but the capacity was reduced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's about all we've got time for in today's podcast. Oh. What is left is to name this podcast. Farrell, I'm going to throw this one to you as a stand-in secretary for the day. Thank you, Jack. And I'm going to go with All and Nothing. Oh, in relation to the old documentary? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The old doco. It's nice. actually a really good documentary. If you've, you should um, watch it. Seen it. Well, that's very, very good. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back on Thursday with Fulhamish Extra, previewing the Watford game and having a chat with David Lloyd from Two Fifth, who's releasing a book about the 30th anniversary of the fanzine. So keep an eye on that one. All that's left for me to do is say thank you very much to Farrell Monk. Thank you, Jack and Ori. Thank you very much to Drew Heatley. Cheers. And thank you very much to Don Betts. That's right. My name's Jack Collins. This has been the Fulhamish Podcast. You whites. Laters. Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. This spooky season, have a listen to Let's Talk About Myths, baby, a podcast about Greek mythology that tells it honestly and often with a lot of gore, at least when it comes to these spooky season episodes. Every week in October, I have released a new episode with various levels of spooky in Greek mythology. There are ancient stories of haunted houses, ghosts, werewolves, general tragedy, and even a very bloody tree. Greek mythology has a little something for everyone, especially when it comes to spooky season. So listen to Let's Talk About Myths, baby, every week, wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST, 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 ACAST recommends. recommends.